Hello and welcome to you, to the Menfulness Podcast, with me, Sam Watling. If you're new here, then we are a charity, we're run by volunteers, and we're dedicated to improving men's mental health by any means we can. This podcast became a part of that, and it began as a way of sharing some of our stories and showing that we can have that difficult conversation. We can share. It doesn't make us weak to speak, despite what we might have been brought up to believe. As our charity grows and more men speak out, the podcast grows with it. So thank you for helping make that happen. If you're going through something yourself right now, uh, which is probably most of us, then don't forget you are strong and you can talk and you do deserve to feel better. That's what we want, be it events, socials, online spaces, fitness opportunities. We want you to feel better about being you and we believe you can. Have a look at menfulness.org, check out our socials for more, look at meetup.com forward slash menfulness to book onto any of our events. So for some feedback on our episode with James Rickett, this is from Adam via LinkedIn. Another cracking and honest menfulness podcast courtesy of Sam Watling and James Rickett on my morning commute. Some of the discussion around managing imposter syndrome and anxiety in the workplace I found particularly poignant. Great tips and coping mechanisms for supporting people through their career and their professional life. At the core of it, James's personal journey with mental health, bravely shared on the airwaves with no mince in his words. I'll see you at the Retro Gaming Night on Thursday. Thanks, Adam. If you're enjoying this podcast, then do let me know. Um, I'm not a podcaster or a mental health professional or a paid member of staff. I'm doing this because I believe it might help you. Uh, and that's exactly why my guests come on here. All of them have said the same thing. It might help someone. One of these topics might just reach out to someone who needs it. So let me know if there's anything that you think we should be talking about. What am I missing? What guests could I have? Would you like to come on and talk? Um, also, what am I getting wrong? Have you been triggered by something you've heard here? Is there something that I'm not quite hitting the mark on? Um, the best thing about mindfulness is that it exists because and including the people that are part of it. So talk to me. How are we doing? Okay, on to today's episode. We have the affable and congenial Professor Paul Galdus on with us. He is a professor of nursing at the University of York, and he's working on improving men's mental health on a daily basis. That's his job. He's currently got funding from Movember, you know, the massive men's charity, and he's trialling behavioural activation uh, on men in frontline roles in the NHS. I tried my best not to get too excited and to allow him to talk, seeing as though he's the one who knows what he's on about. But that was tough, so uh, bear with me. But he was not only happy to come along and talk about his important work, what it means to be a man and what it's like in the Movember head office in Australia. But we get to hear his story too. Like I would imagine all of us do, he's got his own experiences of bereavement and mental health challenges. And we are so, so honoured to have him share it all with us here on the Menfulness Podcast. So sit back and enjoy as we hear from, Miss, from sorry, Professor Paul Galdus. Welcome, Professor Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> it's Paul. In fact, I should Paul, just double check. Yes, it's Paul right. Galdas, is it? Galdas. Galdas. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Paul. I won't call you Professor throughout the uh, conversation. No, that'd be don't awkward. We? <laughs> um, I, I'm not actually sure that I've met a professor before. Uh, certainly, I know you don't go around with a with a badge on, but um, you know, I think you certainly are the first person that I've I've had chance to really get into it with. So um, 
genuinely really grateful for your time today, mate. Thank you for coming. No, it's great. It's great to speak to you. Uh, well, I hope that I do the rest of my professor colleagues justice then in this <laughs> podcast. I'm not sure whether I'm a typical professor, but we'll see. Others can judge, can't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we met at the uni. We were on a... Um, a panel discussion um, for the uh, Uni of York's Mental Health Society um, and we were talking all things men's mental health yep. and it was a really, really good chat and I was fascinated by what you had to say, the work that you were doing, your links to the Movember charity um, and so invited you on and I'm very grateful that you're offering us your uh, your insights on that. So before we get cracking, can you tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, what you do? Yep. So I'm a professor of nursing at the University of York. Uh, I mean, and the reason I'm here is because my research is in men's health. I've been doing work in, in men's health and uh, how and why men access and interact with health services and their experiences of health and illness for about 20 years. But my background, my professional background is as a nurse. That's why I'm a professor of nursing. Right. So I grew up in, I grew up in Leeds. Um, in a place called Rothwell, which is not many people know where that is in Leeds. It's an old coal mining area in South Leeds. Um, and uh, I, uh, I went to study nursing when I was, when I was 18 in, in Birmingham, which was kind of an odd decision amongst my mates at the time. Like a lot of them I didn't even go, didn't go to university, went into trades and local jobs, and I went off to do to do a degree in nursing so did you uh, just always want to do that then, well or? yeah I'd, it's weird because i can't i can't tell you the time where i thought oh yeah that's that's the profession for me like i'm 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 in my mid-40s now and young lads then didn't grow up thinking that was even a even a possible career option my mum was not from lads from rothwell either no exactly and i mean my mum's a, a nurse i wasn't she's retired now so i kind of knew a bit about what what was involved i was interested yeah. in biology i was interested in in people i wanted to help people and, and I, I, I suppose you used to get this big book of different uh, careers that and degrees that you could yeah. do that i looked through and thought oh yeah that that's that sounds good so so yeah, I can, and I, I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of ribbon for it at the time and and uh, and during as well. But I was dead pleased with with my decision at the time. And uh, like a lot of things in life, you just kind of like, oh, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah, uh, snowball stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I did so I did that, and I, I qualified as a nurse. And and my interest was in um, cardiology. In uh, I worked in coronary care units, people who have heart attacks or. Uh, acute cardiac problems uh, and my interest in in men's health and well-being stemmed from there really I, I used to look after a lot of younger blokes who'd had heart attacks and they were, I always um, kind of was the one who could connect with them I could speak with them um, and uh, they were all a lot of them were really uncomfortable with being in hospital as, as most people yeah. are, but just not familiar with the system. A lot of uh, uh, regularly used to tell me, "I've never been to the doctors in my life. Um, I've always been fit and healthy. This is this is uh, uh, really unusual for me." And when I spoke to to a lot of them, um, you could tell they'd had symptoms for a long, long time, you know, and the, and the signs were there, yeah. but they hadn't accessed healthcare for whatever reason. That stereotype that a lot of people know about, you know, men don't go to the doctors unless their arms hanging off type of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got the chance to do a PhD. Well, I applied to do a PhD at the University of Leeds and I was working at uh, St. James's Hospital at the time. 
And um, my application was to to look at this issue, like why is it that that men, when they get chest pain, when they get cardiac chest pain, why do they delay seeking help and yeah. what's going on there? Yeah. Um, I got the funding. I went and that was it. I was off to do my PhD then full time. That's mad. So you'd, you'd been nursing for quite a long time and, yeah. and, and they support you into to doing this sort of education to, you know taking time out to do that yeah it, yeah it was, it was a fully funded thing and I, yeah I did it for did it for three years at the university of leeds and and looked into how masculinity influenced their decision making and and the thought processes when they yeah. were experiencing yeah the those uh those symptoms so i did that and um and then uh got my first academic job then at the University of Sheffield once I'd finished my PhD um, and um, started my research career after my PhD just looking at the that that issue in different contexts so men um, who uh, had mental health problems men who have long-term conditions new fathers all different situations uh, that I was interested in how what are men's needs what are the particular issues that they're grappling with and how crucially what i'm interested in is how can we design health services and support services so that they better meet the needs right. of uh, of men um so i've done I've, I've done a few jobs since then i went to um i went to work in canada in vancouver at the university of british columbia as an assistant professor there um and i did i was really lucky there because I, I kind of teamed up with another guy uh, called john Olaf. Uh, Professor John Olaf, who was a, he'd been doing work in in men's health for a, for a while, and he kind of took me under his wing. I learned so much from him, and that really helped me with with my own career. And you were, you know, they were doing the same sort of research, yeah, doing the same. Time. And he's he he's in Canada still, but he's an Aussie. And a lot of the a lot of the um, work around men's health support started in, in Australia a lot of the men's health movement stuff on Movember who the big men's health charity who we'll talk yeah, about I think yeah at some point they they originated in in Australia yeah um so a lot of those ideas some of the things that in the UK we we kind of picking up on now uh had a lot of their origins there um so yeah, and then all of a sudden, Sam, I'm a professor at the University of York. I don't know. It, it's, when did you it's come a, back to York? Then when did that happen? Uh, well, my daughter was born in in Vancouver, uh, and so it was just me and my wife and my daughter, no family or anything. And yeah. we're like, oh, I was, we, I really wanted to come home at that point. Well, yeah. I didn't. I was torn. Half me wanted to stay, half me wanted to come home, but um, we chose to come back to yeah. to raise our family in England and. Uh, and yeah, I joined the University of York in 2011, I think it was. So I've been there oh, wow. like 11, 11, 12 years now. Yeah. Doing doing research in Turkey. Because I know at the moment you're going to be working on a behavioural activation, which I'm hoping we get to go really yeah. properly into. But what what else were you doing before that? What led you up to this? Uh, well, I've done a few, like I said, I've done a few different research studies. And you can't have had all different types of ideas, but you can only do research if you're successful in getting funding. So yeah. you put it's a competitive process. You put your proposal together, put your bid in, yeah. um, and if you know whoever it is that you're applying to like your idea, you get the funding. You do the research. So I've done a I've done a few. I've had a few successes. I've had more failures than successes. <laughs> but um, but what was I doing prior to it? I did a study on men with long term conditions and support to help men with conditions like diabetes or arthritis multiple sclerosis what do they need in order to help them self-manage their condition before that i did a study on um new fathers mental health and what 
what new dads need. Uh, and we were talking before in uh, before we started, weren't we, about that and um, the incidence of of depression, anxiety, and new dads being is about ten percent around that, around that, about one in ten. But and that's who who've reported as having yeah because yeah, presumably yeah. there's a there's a lot yeah it's probably underreported. I mean, yeah. what, and one of the issues with mental health is that as particularly in a lot of blokes is that they don't realise and recognise the symptoms as being uh, a mental health issue yeah. that might benefit from from support. And I suppose as well, if if men are if men are reluctant to even um, report a physical symptoms that they do know about that are less stigmatized then it's no wonder that that the the mental health side of things are so are still so far behind yeah it's a it's a really important point that and that's one of the things that we i found in the study on chest pain that one of the challenges with chest pain was that you couldn't see it it was just it 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 was really uncertain and it wasn't obvious to people for a lot of the guys thought well I don't want to be just seen like I'm complaining over nothing. Yeah. Like if I leave work to say I'm not feeling very well, yeah. that's very different to, you know, if you've if you've cut yourself or yeah. you've, you've physically injured yourself. Yeah. It's much more. It's an invisible illness almost. Isn't yeah, it? it is. And so a lot of the blokes there, when they explained me that chest pain thing, it's just waited till it got to a point where they couldn't cope with it anymore. And um, I guess that not only is that more dangerous to them, but it's a longer, more expensive fix for the NHS as well, isn't yeah. it? So it's in everyone's best interest to try and yeah. get that reported nobody, earlier. Nobody wins. Nobody, nobody wins. Nobody wins. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad outcomes for everybody. Yeah. Um, so how do you, um, how have you been getting all of your um, subjects, subjects the right research yeah. participants, you know, yeah. over all these years, you must have interviewed, you know, there must be thousands yeah. and thousands of people involved in these. Where do they come from? Are they they're just in the hospitals and you go and hand them, you know, get re- recruit them sort of thing? Yeah, a ver- well, a variety, but the majority, yeah, you kind of, you you put the word out that you're doing a study and then invite people to, to uh, participate and yeah. that tends to be how, how it works and, um, I've got a, a, and you'd be surprised really about how willing a lot of people for no money. I mean, some some studies you might get, you know, ten pound Amazon voucher as yeah. recognition for your time, but these research participants are not are not being uh, paid. But people are generally very willing to to um, contribute uh, for a number of different reasons. I think is one they can obviously they want to be able to help support the development of things yeah. that might help them, but of also course. people want to share the stories as well. Yeah. Um, I've got a, I've got a student, a PhD student myself at the moment, who's doing a study on um, the sexual health of men with inflammatory bowel, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's and colitis, and that is something. Again, if you've got inflammatory bowel disease, um, it's often been it's often diagnosed when you're a young man. Yeah. Um, it massively affects your body image. Yeah. And I think a lot of the a lot of the treatment and management for not just Crohn's and colitis, but for a lot of physical health conditions around managing physical symptoms and the broader issues around and how it can impact you as a person yeah what does it mean to you being diagnosed with diabetes or or depression or anxiety or Crohn's or colitis and what support and help do you need in order to live well with that rather than just the medication yeah exactly what else is there how do you get through this yeah yeah and and it's difficult for people I think um to be able to recognise that sometimes as a, as a need that they do have, but also for health services to respond to those needs as well. Yeah. So, and particularly because 
in a lot of conditions, men and women do experience challenges like that differently. Yeah. Um, we do need to think differently sometimes about yeah. how gender, sex and gender might mean that we need to do things differently. Yeah. Well, and I suppose we're both in that field is that I remember being on that panel and there is that sometimes that feeling of we're a men's charity and it's um, we're in a world where we're trying to be equal. We're trying to find equitable ways to treat people, mm. whereas actually you, you can't always do that. And uh, it, when it comes to men and when it comes to suicide and, and the underreporting, 36% of referrals to the NHS talking therapies are, are men. Mm. So they're just... They're just suppressing it, mm. and and I guess as we've said, you know that can that can make things much much worse down the line. Yeah, and equal doesn't mean sameness. No, the, like we we we've moved towards equality when we recognise people's individual needs, and yeah. there are some challenges around being male specific because yeah. men hold the the vast vast majority of power yeah. uh, and wealth in society. Um, so it can feel uncomfortable to think, well, why are we doing something particularly for for men? Yeah. But the benefits in taking an approach where we support men to take better care of their health, and particularly the mental health, has benefits for the, the whole of society. Yeah. Um, the issues that recreate male dominance are often rooted in the ideals that stop men from saying at work, or at home, or in different, or with your friends. Yeah. Do you know what, I'm struggling, or I'm not feeling yeah. very well, or can we? Can I talk about um, something with you? Um, Some of that toxic and fragile masculinity might actually ori- originate from suppressing. Yeah, the dominant ideals of masculinity in society. This is a lot of my research has been based on the on these theories. Um, are reproduced in those situations. Um, so by being open about what those ideals are and yeah. what might stop us, um, and then seeking to find a better way of yeah. being a bloke in society, contributes towards gender equality uh, and, and broader equality. So um, it, it's it's important, I think, to be able to convey that message when we're talking about male-specific stuff. I've not heard it articulated like that, but it makes complete sense, you know, as soon as you hear it. Yeah, um, thank you. And it sounds like the work that you, you're working on now. So you've got you've got other PhD students mm. uh, that are working on different things, but yeah. you've got your own project that you're working on, yeah. uh, BAM, which is what we, we originally connected yeah, yeah, over. Yeah. So are you happy to tell us a little bit about, about that and what yeah. it is and what it means yeah so BAM which is B-A-L-M stands for behavioral activation for low mood and anxiety is a a new mental health support intervention that we've developed and we tested in a research study that targets men who are working in NHS frontline roles so it's funded by Movember which is the big men's international men's health charity uh, now we got we you know we're doing the research and it came about in the same way that I was saying earlier we 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 had this idea we put it, we put the bid to November they liked it the the funded us and so we're delivering it at the moment um, so the intervention it's it's based on behavioural activation principles um, which we can talk about in in a bit more detail um, but it's a very simple and practical approach that's a guided self help intervention guys sign up. Uh, they receive a self-help booklet and they receive um, up to eight telephone support sessions to help guide through the different stages of this behavioural activation um, intervention. Uh, and we're targeting at men working in the, in the NHS f- f- 
for a number of different reasons. One, the stresses and strains yeah. that, that, that impact on, on men working in, in the NHS frontline at the moment are, are, are really, really um, high. There's a lot of difficulties. And we, we're targeting men who work across different occupations, so not just clinical roles like paramedics, um, physios, occupational therapists, nurses, doctors, but also porters and maintenance workers who worked all the way through the pandemic. Yeah, you know, say, I'm guessing they're all absolutely overrun at yeah. the moment. Um, and this intervention, is a, it's an early, early mental health intervention to support men to stay well when they're just getting the beginnings of yeah. difficulties. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've tailored it. We've worked with with uh, with men who are working in those roles to help us design it specifically. So it's it's going to be appealing to to that population. So we're delivering it at the moment. Um, we've got I think uh, today how many did we did we have? We had a, a, around twenty guys who were receiving it uh, at the moment. Um, we're going to go up to forty five men. Evaluate how effective it's been, and then our ambition is to roll it out across the entire NHS and then look at other areas as well. That's one thing that I'm really interested in. Other occupational groups like we can do the same thing. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we can be upscale. The idea eventually yeah. will be if your research says it works, then mm. it will be roll- it, it could potentially be rolled out nationally. Yeah. Um, so if you've got therapists delivering these phone calls and these no. training sessions, then how does that work? No, no, it's lay delivered. So it's delivered by people who we've trained. We've yeah. trained them in the principles. Uh, and we call them coaches, and it's it kind of is like a coaching model, um, but yeah, they're non mental health professionals, um, and it's a guided self it's a guided yeah. self help intervention really. Yeah. So these coaches they need to just be able to help men with the process, but like with a lot of therapeutic approaches, um, and for anybody who's who's been to therapy, you realise that the work's done by you. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's got the fix for you. Yes. You can be guided through a process, but fundamentally um, the, the work's done by you. So, yeah. But that's one of the things that we're really interested in, in being able to evaluate. And one question that I always get asked when I teach men's health is that um, to health professionals who deliver in services, like, do men have a particular preference for the type of doctor or nurse or therapists and i'm I'm like no No. the evidence shows that there is no you know they're up for men over women or younger versus older it's the general type of approach taken that's that that seems to be more important in the in the um, the evidence and the research so be more informal meeting men where they're at not being patrick all, all of those sort of general principles Funnily enough, Sinead, who came in, who does our counselling, uh, she runs our counselling, um, she also said that men have no preference. Yeah. You Because know, I yeah. asked that question whether yeah. or not they preferred a male or a female, yeah. and she said that there's no evidence of that either. So yeah. it's, it's interesting that actually it's it's how you've spoken to it, it's that feeling safe yeah. And, and, yeah. and empowered. Yeah, and different people connect with, diff- with, with, with different people, don't they? Yeah. And, and that that's the important uh, issue, I think, is... Is not necessarily what somebody's background or orientation necessarily is. It's just yeah. about the general approach. Yeah, um, I've got the BAM manual in front of me, um, and it's it's not dissimilar to the book because I, I had some CBT um, when I was at my most anxious. Um, and you talked a little bit about um, you know new parents becoming anxious, mm. and for me, I'm quite fortunate in that I was. I think I, I was able at an early stage to be able to go, this isn't right. And I was able to kind of maybe assign it to a 
change in my life that kind of made sense um for why you know there was such a big change in my mood mm. um but this this booklet's amazing and it breaks things down into five um steps and then gives you quite a clear plan of how to approach them so you know rather than like you say you could just have this booklet and be able to do it you literally everything that you need is in here you know what would the therapist be doing to 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 go alongside it well the the talk through each of the steps um and 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 provide the guidance of of what the actions that need to be taken are within each within each step so it's kind of walking through the process really so for a lot of people like you say you pick up the booklet, and anybody who's read a self-help book will be able to uh, empathise as well. Some people will be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense to me," and I can, I can like put that into action straight yeah. away. Others will be more like, "Well, I'm not really sure exactly what it is I'm supposed to be doing." Yeah. There. And so the coaches, when the when they do the telephone support, is basically guiding through what. How have you been getting on, sort of thing? Yeah, how have you been getting on? Do you need any clarification with any of the steps? So one of the one of the things about behavioural activation that you have to do is identify um, behaviours that you that you might do in your day to day life and that leads to you feeling good, or behaviours that you uh, undertake that don't make you feel good. So for me, I think I could probably think, yeah, well, you know, when I when I sit at home scrolling, doom scrolling through <laughs> Twitter, that don't, doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. But then when I, you know, uh, play FIFA with my son, that yeah. makes me feel good. You know, yeah. But for for other people, they might struggle with, well, I don't really know. I'm just kind of, you know, going yeah. through the motions. So it's it's helping guide through through those those processes really, yeah. rather than providing therapy per se. Because like I say, it's about. The beautiful thing about I, that I love about behavioural activation is it's a behavioural approach. It's about doing things and then doing things differently to affect your mood. Yeah. It's not about cognitive. It's not a cognitive approach. It's not about concentrating on what you're thinking, like CBT yeah. is. Yeah. Um, it's about making changes to your behaviour and then seeing and experiencing changes in your emotional state and your mood so one thing we say in the booklet is follow the plan not your mood or work from the outside in don't wait until you feel better before you start doing things yeah do things differently and you will feel better and it makes so much sense like i I started running and i hated it i'm still not 100 percent sure i like it but it, the benefit between the runs is what's the good bit, yeah. but the motivation doesn't come until after you've really got going with it. So I think that that's what excites me about this is because because CBT was great for me. I had some I had the group sessions. Yeah. There was no waiting list. It was the self referral process. It was all brilliant. Um, but yeah, like you say, for some, um, I mean, first of all, there's quite a bit of stigma around going and getting help, and there's quite a bit of um, it can be quite difficult to know how to articulate what you're going through. So this potentially cuts a lot of that the necessity out for that and asks you to make a plan of what to do rather than what to think or say. Totally. And I think, I mean, the stigma around talking-based therapies, for sure. But I think it, that's not appealing to a lot of people either. No. Um, and one of the things about behavioural activation is that we think, and we'll evaluate it, but we think 
that'll be appealing to a lot of blokes because it it's about doing stuff. Yeah. Um, to make it setting goals, taking actions, feeling it's not necessarily about sitting and talking, um, and particularly when you're not in a great place mentally. I think if you if your mood's low, um, and a lot of the research evidence suggests that men may experience low mood and depression in ways that are, that are more unique to them in, in, in so much as they get more withdrawn, frustrated, angry. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily always want to talk then. You need to yeah, be in a place yeah. to talk, right? Yeah. Um, so what this approach is saying is, you know, you, it, you, you can change the way that you feel just by making some, some some simple changes or by identifying a vicious cycle that you might have got yourself into because yeah. of the way you're feeling or because of something external that's happened. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, I had to get to panic attacks before I was yeah. able to go, mm-hmm. what's going on here? Because actually, and I, what had happened was because of that, I stopped going and spending time with friends. I cancelled things, which had previously made me feel good. Yeah, And I think that, if you if you're not aware of that at that point, you can you lose friendships. You could really go isolate yourself over a long period of time, which would only compound because that's the, one of the things that really obviously mattered to you at some point, you yeah. know. And that's getting that back in my life was really important, even though it was uncomfortable. Um, and we, I mean, we all experienced that in lockdown, didn't we? Yeah. Like we. Well, I'll be honest. Oh. It came along. I mean, it's horrible to say, um, but it came along as I was at my most anxious. Right. So for me. I'd I'd, ha- I'd had six sessions of CBT, but I was like this relief oh, that really? I had no expectations or socialing. Everything was cancelled. Right, okay. it was a weird sense of, uh, yeah. uh, and but it gave me a bit of time yeah, to yeah. actually figure out what was going on. Mm. But with some people, that that just that perpetuates, doesn't it? I don't want to do that. It doesn't make me feel good, so I won't. Or alcohol makes me feel better so i'll have more of it or you know whatever that negative behavior as well turns into a loop yeah we find i mean the behavioral observation approach i'm talking about in the booklet um says that um you know we can find coping strategies that might work in the short term you know stopping you know if you become really busy at work or you've got a you're a new a new dad or um, things have changed in your life. You might stop doing particular things because you're tired, you haven't got the time, I can't go out anymore, I can't go to the gym, I can't yeah. go to whatever a group it is that you might have done because I just haven't got the time. And so in order to cope, I'm just going to cut that out for now. Yeah. But then you lose whatever that was. That what we, that it, what, yeah, what it was giving you. But our, this approach is is not just about reinstating those things. Sometimes you might not be able to do those things anymore. Yeah. So it's about thinking about well, what was it about that? What did you gain from that? Yeah. And is there a different activity that you can reinstate that gives you the same thing? Um. And and the, that works for in the principles of people who for might have been diagnosed with a. A, a long-term condition or they might have been injured you know one of the things that i'm terrified about in my own life is when i can't play football anymore like right, what yeah. the hell am i gonna do that is the thing that keeps me sane yeah um what am i gonna do I, 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 so i'll have to find another activity yeah. that gives me the same thing yeah so that, what what would you say that it gives you i mean i guess there's exercise yeah. in there as well but is it you know is it as much about seeing people or yeah it's so many things it's it's physical fitness it's the camaraderie of 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 playing a team sport with other yeah. people 
Um, and it's just like the ultimate mindful experience, I think, as well. I think it's probably the only time where my mind is focused on that single activity. Yeah, yeah um, that's interesting. So it's a bit of a break from your own brain. Yeah, totally. Actually, yeah. 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 Well, I, I wouldn't like the mindfulness football has just been so popular. I think because it's not all that competitive. Um, and I think that helps as well because not all blokes, some blokes love the football, but they get to a certain age, I'm talking yeah. about myself here, where the level of fitness drops and they haven't played for years. So the idea of going back and having that sort of like crunching tackles yeah. and people tutting because you've skied it or whatever, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to not have that. But um, but it is, it's fascinating that whatever ability, all different ages, but they all just love it. It's just a really great experience. Yeah, and, and so like for a lot for a lot of people, activities will hold multiple meanings and not just. Yeah, and that's what I think is really, really great about the mindfulness activities and and things that that you guys have been doing, is that it offers opportunities for being able to do those valued activities. Yeah. That that if you're sat at, if you are sat at home thinking I would like to broaden my social network or I'd really like to go down to crooked tap and, and yeah. do it, you know, but I'm going to wait until I feel better. Yeah. And to before I've got, what this approach suggests is, well, don't wait till you feel better. Go do it yeah, and you will feel better. I like that. And I like that there's a, yeah. a scale as well, like a written mm. scale. So if you're going to write down, I'm feeling like yeah. a four out of 10 today, and then you go and do the thing despite only being a four mm. out of 10, and then later that day or the next day, you're a six out of 10. You can't argue with it, yeah. you know. As yeah, long no. as, you, as long as you're filling it in properly and you're doing and you're pushing yourself to do that. Yeah, and it's baby steps as well with a lot with a lot of those things. Everybody will have their own individual experiences and challenges, won't they? But for me, because I'm not, a, I'm a mental health researcher and I've done work in in mental health, but I'm not a mental health professional. The the my colleague um, who runs this study with me, Dean McMillan, who's a clinical psychologist, he's the expert in behavioural activation. Uh, and I've been learning loads myself and loads myself about it and putting it into action as well. Right. Um, in think and like lockdown, uh, and when we were kind of developing this idea and period over COVID, when I really struggled as well, um, it was really helpful for me then because I was yeah. like, "What am I? You know, I've got myself into this pattern of a, a negative pattern that's just not making me feel good, yeah. and I can't do the things." that used to make me feel good. So I need to just find some other things to do that are going to make me feel better. Yeah. Um, and I did. And it kind of, you know, it really helped me. That's good. Uh, you terms. can see it working for yourself as well, which is really, yeah. really powerful, isn't it? That you yeah. know it's, you know how it functions. Well, I think the weird, the weird thing about mental health generally, and I talk about, say this is from a personal perspective as much as a, from a professional one is, it's not like a physical health condition whereby, you know, you go to the doctors or you have a scan and they say, oh, well, that's what's that's what's wrong with you. It's your heart or yeah. it's that part of your kidney or it's your big toe or whatever. And yeah. this is what needs to be fixed. We know exactly what you need. We know the medication that you need or we know the operation that you might require. Mental health is all, well, this might, well, you might want to try this. Yeah. Uh, CBT works for some people or not everybody or psychotherapeutic approaches they yeah. can be helpful as well or counselling or counselling yeah. or mindfulness or, or you yeah. know there's everything yeah all it's different there's no it? there's no silver bullet to it is yeah. there um, there's no one and so but what what I've learned about that is that 
different things work for different people at different situations. So the the BAM intervention, it'll it'll work for some people. It'll be really, yeah. really useful for some. Some will find it very useful and appealing. Some won't. Yeah. And there are other things that you can do. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's nice. It'd be nice for it to go be alongside CBT because I yeah. think it would be really yeah, yeah. complement. Yeah. And uh, and I know that CBT does work quite a large percentage of people but you do think right well those ones that that it doesn't work for mm. have then got that like you say that mm. mire of other yeah. things to try and yeah. wade through um and it can be exhausting can it uh, you know especially with things like um counseling and um and psychotherapy it really does require you to dig deep and maybe mm. rip off some scabs and, and and for some people they, they don't want that or they're not ready for that yeah. and actually getting you in a good place to be able i mean do, do they do they work alongside each other? Would you say uh, behavioural observation and, and counselling? Or um, well, yeah, I think behavioural observation is a component of CBT in 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 some approaches. Yeah. Um, but I think I think they cannot. Yeah, they can absolutely work alongside yeah. each other. Uh, and there is no panacea. Like there, yeah. there is no like one answer that's going to yeah. you know be like. Yeah. Right, well, it's a shame, isn't it? I've, oh, it's. <laughs> frustrating as hell yeah um you know i think um if there was that one way just like well i've absolutely nailed it or like you need you need three weeks of this and then four weeks of that and then a session of this and you'll be right you know and it's um i guess is is that part of your role then to work out how what percentage of people respond well and and which bits of it are the most successful sort of thing yeah and uh, and fundamentally what is it about this that might be attractive and lead to more men saying yeah i'll give that i'll give that a go right like how do we make something appealing appealing yeah. and accessible but this the the balm intervention is as much about putting in place strategies to maintain mental well-being in the same way that you might run or go to the gym in order to stay physically fit actions yeah. that you take the, the behavioral activation approach is similar in that it's about putting in positive uh, a structure and behaviors that are going to help you stay well during times of stress and difficulty and we we don't i don't think particularly as, as blokes op- openly talk about that like what can we do in order to maintain yeah. mentally well it's more it's talked about more now than i think in my experience it, it ever has been yeah. um but yeah it's about caring for your own mental well-being by recognizing what it is that you need as an individual to stay well yeah and i I think that's i think like you say the conversation is is getting better and i think as it does men are starting to say well actually you know someone said to me um you've got to fix your own life jacket you Mm. know even if you're a parent and you're really busy and you're working full time and there's all the other stresses of the world like the world's pretty bonkers right now anyway for want of a better expression it can probably seem like a lot to be like, no, once a week, I need to spend time doing that because actually you fix your own life jacket, then you'll be more effective for the people around you, won't you? Yeah, totally. And I, the one that I say is it's like, uh, you can't fire a cannon from a canoe. Like you need to, <laughs> you need to, you need a stable base. Yeah. Right. To be yeah, able, yeah, to, like be able to be able to, uh, to function properly, don't you? Um, I like that. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes you don't, you've, we forget, don't we? Everybody does, not just men. Uh, everybody forgets sometimes that actually you need to be able to sort your own life jacket out yeah. to be able to say, what What do I need in order to make myself yeah. okay? Um, 
Thank you. And and so, have you had any um, results yet? Is there anything you can tell us about sort of how the study is going? At all, studies going amazing in in so much as we've had real high levels of interest, which is the um, the number one outcome really. Like I was saying, what we we know that behavioural activation works yeah. um, in other populations. Yeah, so but, is it for, it's from? Oh yeah, yeah, Australia is it? Or? No, no, it's it's been around for years, right? Um, in in various different clinical contexts. And Dean, who runs the study with me, his previous study was with older people who had multiple physical conditions and su- supporting them. Uh, with this approach but it's just not been tested in this population right um so we haven't got with the the guys that are involved in the study at the moment and that are receiving it um we haven't got their clinical outcomes yet yeah. in terms of measures of their mood and anxiety uh, but in terms of accessibility and appeal uh, we've got guys like contacting us all the time saying it now the fact that we've put posters up and uh, shared on social media what we're doing and that's led to so many men saying yeah that's for me yeah it's just amazing yeah. for me like i'm i, I thought it, it, it would be it'd work in terms of it being appealing and it seems like it it, it must be a relief really if you say you've got quite a lot of knockbacks or, oh, or, or yeah. projects that have not worked yeah, yeah. to get one that's and i again i opened the booklet and i was like this feels it feels right straight away yeah um, that's exciting then. So, yeah. so say it works. Say, yeah. say you get the results that you want and you hope and you expect. Mm-hmm. Um, do does it then? You say it gets rolled out. Might we see it as a as a proper sort of alternative to CBT at some point in, in across the country? Yeah. Well, as a as a an adjunct, I suppose what yeah. we call it to 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 other approaches. Yeah. And um, first and foremost, we want to um, embed it into the usual practice of. NHS wellbeing services. Right, yeah. So anybody working in in an NHS setting will be able to access this. So we'll we'll try and scale it across across the NHS, which will be no mean feat in and of itself. But uh, so we'll do that. And then, like I say, I'm interested in in basically going as far as we can with it. Amazing. If it if it's seen as something that is appealing, particularly to to men. Um. So yeah, we'll That's let's see, let's see where we go. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, mate! Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Tell me a bit about then the Movember funding and how that relationship yeah. happened. And you went, didn't you go out there to see them? I and... did, I did, yeah. So, um, we, so we got the funding from Movember, and the, and it was they put out this call internationally for projects who had an idea to develop mental health interventions for veterans and frontline workers. Um, so not just healthcare workers, but military veterans, fire, police. Um, and we were one of 14 studies that were chosen in, I think, five different countries. So there's uh, there's projects in New Zealand, Australia, Germany, Ireland, England, um, I think I think that might be it, or oh, USA and Canada. All with different populations, using totally different approaches, different right. types of inter- not 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 behavioural activation like we're doing, but different things. Um, so I was buzzing because I love Movember, like yeah. because, because I've worked in men's health for like twenty years and I've seen kind of Movember grow. Yeah. I've always thought they're a cool organisation. You know, grown a moustache a few times and, <laughs> and, and raised money for them, but just I think they've been really progressive in raising awareness in a kind of non-stuffy way yeah. about men's health issues. And they started off, I think, with um, 
uh, prostate and testicular cancer focus, but then of, of the one, one of their key strategic focuses now is us on early mental health intervention and suicide prevention. Yes. So, so we, so we got funded with one of these fourteen projects, and uh, they said, "Oh, so everybody, we uh, we want to fly you all out, and we want you all to meet at, at our head offices in Melbourne, uh, <laughs> Australia." So I was like, all right, okay. You uh, like, were happy with what, the funding. Oh, now getting... oh, it's like buzzing, buzzing that I just got the project. And now I was like, what? I'm off to Australia. Um, That's amazing. And I've never been to Australia. So so I was like, so so they sent the details and everything. Like, it's a three-day meeting. So I was saying to my wife, like, what, what am I going to do? Like, uh, I've got two young kids. And, you know, I don't travel tons. Yeah. Um, and certainly don't travel to the other side of the world regularly. <laughs> Like, what am I going to do for? I can't fly to Australia for three days. <laughs> it's a long so, way to go. Yeah, and I'm not a great flyer either, Sam. Like, I'm not, you know, we fly to Mallorca and I'm nervous. Um, so anyway, I ended up going. I thought, right, I'll do, I'll do a week. I'll do a kind of Saturday to Saturday. I won't, I don't like being away from my family for too long, but I can't. I need some time. Yeah. To, so I flew out to to Melbourne and went to Movember's head office. Well, if it's not the best place you've ever seen in your life, honestly. I imagine slides and big tashes, yeah. and beer on tap. I don't know. Is that, they had is... all of those things, but no slides. Right. So they put, yeah, they, they, they're so cool. Like they had like pool tables and ping pong oh, yeah. and like a beer fridge. And, uh, you know, everybody's like really awesome there. And uh, it was just unbelievable. I met, the, I met one of the co-founders, um, Travis, his name is. And they were just too... I was like, like you and, and, and everyone in mentalness who just had an idea about raising, start, let's let's raise some money for men's health, that eventually snowballed into this yeah. massive charity. That, do you know how old they are? Uh, been going yeah, years, a bit, yeah, late 40s. Yeah, the, um, I mean the charity. Oh, the, uh, oh, God, I don't know, actually. No, I'll, have to, I'll check that yeah. out. But, um, that's, it, not it, years it, and years, it's not like... Because it's, it's massive, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, just to have a head office in a city like that and to be able to fund that many different projects around the world, Yeah. Um, it's just remarkable. Yeah, and they have... Um, well, part of the funding for this research project, the whole project, the whole grant call, was um, through uh, a charitable motorbike ride called the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. I hope somebody from November is going to listen to this podcast and be like, I'm totally off brand. I'm getting it all wrong. So if you are, I'm really sorry. But yeah, the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. And, you know, just a bunch of guys who like to ride motorbikes do this annual motorbike ride across Australia um, and uh, raise money. And they've given loads of it to November to raise and and I met a load of those guys as well, best mustaches you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> um, but just normal, you know, they're just yeah. like normal, fun, easygoing yeah. uh, blokes. And one of the things about Movember in their corporate values, if it is corporate, the charitable uh, values, is fun. Like the people who work there should have fun. And if you work with us, you should have fun. Like what That's other part o- of the job description. What other organisation <laughs> is it where they have fun? That's mad. But so, yeah. it sounds like they get the ethos already. Oh, it's like happy staff, you know, doing real important work. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, they are an amazing organisation. It's been loads of fun uh, doing it so far. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping they invite me out again. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, did you uh, did you have a nice few days in Melbourne as well? Then? Yeah, we, I mean, the, the meetings were, were brilliant. Um, like, they were, they were a lot of fun themselves, did a couple of presentations and, and things, but we just, we went out with like, all the just other, like, meeting people, like, 
I mean, it was really inspiring stuff as well because the people who were leading the other projects was like a firefighter from New from New Zealand, um, and then some some guys who work with um, retired police officers, um, paramedics, all these different research projects and groups of people who were developing support for for people who were working in frontline roles and hearing about what they're doing it just like, like that's awesome yeah it blew me away was there anything else that you thought that's you know similar to what you were doing or really interesting from any of these other projects was it all largely the same these the, the same sort of stuff you know? no no totally different and different 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 approaches and uh, like some of them are just like community-based peer support. I see, yeah. Um, and that, that there's there's one the other study in in England is based at the University of Leicester, which is on retired police superintendent. It focuses on retired police superintendents and right. providing support for them in a different in a completely different way. Yeah. Um, which is like amazing. Yeah. What those guys are doing is, and, and there's a lot of commonality between, obviously, all these projects and and these challenges that the men are. In, who were the focus of the studies they're experiencing, um, but just different ways of approaching different it. ways of approaching it, yeah. And, and is there is there commonalities in because obviously all very different jobs, but all probably quite stressful yeah. jobs. You know, if you're working on the front line, the yeah. chances are you at the levels that you're having to tolerate over a long period of time must be high. And yeah, I mean, one of the common things. Uh, it's not just the stresses that that are experienced in working in those frontline roles, but also the culture and expectation that if you do work in one of those roles, you should be more resilient than yeah. than others. You know, it's it's very difficult when you're a helper to be able to say, "I need help." Yeah. Um. I mean, we say that in Bam. You know, we're helping the helpers. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, and in particularly some professions where there's a there's a very strong masculine ideology yeah firefighting or police or particular military can be more challenging and problematic um so so they'd be expect you would hope that they would do more to combat that yeah um i mean is the nhs doing because again i know how stretched it all is and i know you'll have to speak from a certain perspective but i'm guessing they must look after you you know um and look after the staff um not as good as they should do yeah. I th- I, is what i would probably say yeah. things have got much much better and and well-being services of within um within the nhs have much more developed and particularly over covid when there was a, a real strong recognition that like, people are really under incredible amounts of pressure and yeah. need a lot of support um but I think there's still a lot of work to do there, really, in terms of being able to provide the support that, yeah. that's required. But like a lot of like like a lot of workplaces, though, Sam, I think that that's that's part of the 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 answer. I think that we need to find for men in and in order to promote equality is doing away with this idea that we've got to rock up at work no matter what. Yeah. Uh, or that there's some r- recognition for being able to put up with... Mattering yourself, so Yeah, I think. totally. Yeah. You know, if that make, if, if organisations think that... Or reward that because you, they think that you are somebody um, who's able to be resilient or can put up with particular stresses or not show emotion yeah that is a key ideal of of 
being a man in a lot of situations that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Um, but those things change. Um, and one of the things about ideals of the gender ideals and masculine ideals, um, they, they're not just a fixed set of characteristics and traits. They they ebb and flow over history and in context, and yeah. and and they can be changed um, and have changed. You don't look at like paternity leave as an example of how things have changed yeah. um, in terms of cultural expectations. What is acceptable yeah. as a man to be able to do? Um, I mean, Anna and I had shared parental yeah. leave, but we were lucky that both of our employers supported that. I, yeah. I don't think that's across the board yet, is it? But yeah. it's and different. I, I've got friends who are working for an organisation that I better not mention, just in case I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure they both get a uh, six months off full pay. Mm. So it's not like they can share the statutory pay and the time. They actually both get an equal amount yeah. of pay throughout that time. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty good. So you, you imagine that not, maybe not not just expecting one of the parents to to be able to stay off, but actually encouraging the man to take an equal role in that parenting. Yeah, totally. Or at least giving people the option as yeah. well and it being okay if you choose to do that. I think that's yeah. the third thing because it won't be for everybody. And I think the danger part of it is... is, is is thinking, oh, we're going to, you know, try and force men to, to be yeah. X, Y, and Z. And it won't be for everybody. Yeah. But I think it's about um, viewing it as acceptable and positive. If you yeah. say, not just parental leave, but work in a, a workplace where you say, look, I've got to get off at three o'clock. So I've got to pick my my son up from school or yeah. childcare's let me down today and I'm, and I'm going to work from home or what. The, if, if we if as 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 men or if we encourage others to be able to do that yeah. then we can enact i think positive changes yeah. in the ways that we all um live and work yeah. and how much of an impact that'll have on stress levels if you if you've yeah. got that support if you know that supports are given you so. can show up how you need to show up mm. yeah I, I'm, I'm interested in what you say about um what it means to be uh, you know what masculine really means and how it changes over time and you know i'm mm. certainly not the most masculine of men but equally um kind of menfulness it does feel like it across the board work it's hard i don't still don't quite know what it is we've never really had to properly yeah. say what it is that we're mm. doing we put the events on it's like there's an unspoken permission mm. that you can show up as you are and that leads to some kind of um I don't know, safe environment that then means that blokes... I mean, some blokes will, will come and not talk. Mm. And it's not necessarily about the talking. It's just about the knowing that yeah, they could yeah. if they wanted mm. to. Um, it would be great to have more of an understanding of exactly what works. You know, maybe one day we'll have a research project in that um, same vein, you know. Yeah, um, and the, I think... I mean, it's interesting you say that about I'm a, the, the most masculine of, of men because there isn't one... There isn't yeah. one version of masculinity. Yes. There's there are masculinities, different expressions of gender, of male gender and of yeah. female gender. I'm not talking about um, necessarily about gender fluidity. I'm talking about um, what it means to to behave yeah. uh, as as a man in different situations. But there are ideals in culture in terms of ideals of how we've been socialised to understand. Yeah. What does it mean to be a masculine? Yes. To be a, um, a masculine? I suppose man? that's right. What I'm actually saying is, I'm not the most. I'm not as close to what 
I was brought up to believe. Yeah, you don't conform. Men. You don't yeah. conform to the I- yes. to those ideals. I think yeah. is what you're saying yeah, in, yeah. in every situation. Yeah, and and but but we understand. I think we all understand what they are yeah. in different situations, and have different levels of comfort with either aligning with those yeah. or not aligning with them, depending on on what it is we might be doing. Yeah. Um, and I, I I think it's fascinating to be to to think about you know, bring that into the open and talk about yeah. it and then use it to inform how we might um, deliver yeah. services and support. Um, that must be an amazing position to be in, that you've 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 found a passion in it, you've dedicated since your entire working life to mm-hmm. it, and now you're actually supporting one of the major charities in it and actually possibly changing your organisation for the better. That's, that's, yeah, but I mean, it's... it's, it's you're doing them more than me because you're using your your you and and everyone at mentalness are using those understandings through your own personal experience to deliver things like I can write an academic paper about it or do a presentation at a conference you know um no but I sense real but, passion in there because of the way that you talk about yeah. these subjects and and again yeah. I can feel my brain clicking over and yeah. being like ah I get what you're saying I just haven't heard those things yeah, articulated yeah. sometimes we need we need ideas um, explaining to us and so that's why I think it's really that's why I wanted you on yeah. because you know academia for, for us it's that peer-to-peer support it's that early intervention yeah. but we recognize that many of the blokes that we're supporting do have issues that they might not be disclosing to us there is a, a wider picture um, I mean we, we talked recently about the idea that are we or are we not some funding came up recently um, and I won't talk about which one it is yet because I don't know whether we'll apply for it but working with serious mental ill health mm. and this idea of, well, are we working with serious mental ill health? Because there will be people who come and, and they don't disclose that to us and there will be people that we might prevent from ever getting to serious mental ill health. Mm. And there's probably a wide definition of what that, that stands for. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's in, we're at that precipice now of we've kind of, we know what we're doing around this bit but we we recognise that there's so much more we could do, mm. and that actually, feel, I think all of us feel a, a responsibility to, yeah. to try and do what that. What are you? Know? What are you going yeah, to become? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What does mentalness actually yeah, yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, so it's it's exciting, um, and and yeah, I, I, like I say, I detect that there's some um, passion in there. And I know you mentioned that you have you kind of have your own personal experience with mental health. I don't know whether you're happy to yeah, talk no, a little I'm, bit about that now. Yeah, if, if it's right. yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I. I my my academic career has not been focused solely on mental health. Like I said, I've done a lot of work with different conditions, but where I'm working at the moment in relation to supporting mental health is a, is a, connects personally with me um, because of my because I've experienced challenges with with my own mental health, and I think it's really one. Of, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to come and speak to you t- today t- to talk about BAM and to talk about what I've done, but was to also be able to say. Um, and kind of uh, walk the walk to say, well, I've you know I've experienced challenges with yeah. my own mental health. I've accessed therapies in the past. I've taken medication in the past, right. um, and it helped me. Like yeah. I, 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 a lot of my work has been on help-seeking behaviour. Like why don't a lot of men, not all men, why don't some men seek help when they're experiencing challenges? Um, and you know, I've had my own experiences of what it's like to seek help or not seek help yeah. when I when I had 
um, when I've had difficult times. Um, and there's been, you know, there's been a couple of times in my, in my life where I've where I've been particularly uh, low, depressed, anxiety. I've had, you know, I access CBT when I was in my uh, when I was in my twenties as well, uh, and later on in life. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was hard. Yeah. It it was hard working like what you said, working out what the heck was going on. Yeah. Um, and I still don't, you know, I still my own. I think part of part of the thing that I've realised is that it's not something that happened for a period of time and then goes away. It's something that's part of me. Yeah. Um. And it will always be part of me, and at some times in my life, um, might be more challenging than others. Um, but it's a process of learning about myself, really, and and you know taking actions yeah. to to help me stay well. Yeah. Um, Did you? You're early in your career, in your twenties. Mm. You haven't started working on the mental health side of yeah, things. Yeah, no, no. So, did you find that being in that environment, in that support, in that um? clinical environment in the nursing environment that you you were able to speak up that you had the words to say i could do with some help yeah well i had a lot of knowledge i had a lot of knowledge i don't know whether it was a good thing necessarily um i think i mean there's a lot of people who work in caring professions who have experienced their own challenges um the evidence suggests why that that is is that whether or not that naturally you you have a particular disposition that perhaps makes you more vulnerable to things or or whether or not um it's it's the other way around um but yeah i was comfortable and very very familiar with clinical environments i worked in a hospital i was a nurse um but i mean my, my most severe challenge was after my dad died he, in a he died in a scuba diving accident when i was 22 and i just went to pieces yeah. completely you know and i was quit my job because I just thought I can't I was working as a nurse I just I just quit my job I just thought I can't look after people I can't do it I just so I I, I handed my notice him and I went traveling I went to uh, I went to Canada and America and I thought that's just what I need you know I kind of just need to get away from it and it was at that point I realized um, oh shit I still feel the same I, 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 it was. I realised that it didn't matter where I was. Yeah, I still felt the same. Right. Um, and um, it was. It's that thing is that uh, saying that no matter where you go, there you are. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you were um, looking for some. You were looking for a change somewhere else. Yeah, but th- it was internal. That, yeah, completely. I yeah. lost me. I, I, you know, yeah. nothing could have changed really. I mean, it was. It was a great. It was a great. A trip and everything but it didn't it didn't do for me perhaps what no. I thought it was going to do at the particular time so I came home and I got my job back and I started to yeah. get you know um and um uh I think it was prescribed medication as well at, at that particular time um so yeah that that was really really hard and and I I I don't know whether or not being in the, the job that I was 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 helpful to me in terms of being able to say oh yeah I'm, I need I need some help or whether or not it it, yeah. it made it more challenging but it was yeah. yeah it was tough I'm sorry to hear that man yeah, I know. that it's, sounds rough 
Yeah, it was. Uh... And did you, if you don't mind me asking, mm. had you always, were you empowered as a younger person to talk about feelings? Cause not that, at all. No, no. It's not kind of a, there's a generation no. change, shift in the last, no. what feels like the last 10, 20 years. Before that, it felt a little bit like, sort of stiff upper lip yeah i mean and i had no experience of anybody really talking about um certainly none of my mates so yeah i grew up in a working class area with yeah. a lot you know it was a very sort of traditional uh sort of upbringing and uh yeah the the one it wasn't it wasn't something that uh was common but for me i think i was i always connected with my own emotions yeah. uh, i wouldn't have gone into the job that i that yeah, i did do true, with, yeah. with, without knowing that really yeah. um but in terms of being a man and being able to say um i'm not i'm you know i need some help yeah i'm uh, i've got i'm i feel depressed or i'm i'm low in mood not at all I, yeah. I, it was uh it was not not within my frame of reference really yeah. and and we i think for a lot of for a lot of blood i mean we've one thing that we talk about in men's health is is that men will talk it's just whether we're listening or not right um it, we've moved away from this idea that men are just like yeah. complete you know just cavemen who don't know yeah it's yeah. just just a nonsense should we give the right circumstances you know if we're listening then the men will um, a lot of men will, will will access and and seek support but god i remember like we're going when i went for the therapy stuff that terrifying feeling of going into a waiting room you know when yeah. you when a young man um it, it was awful you thinking like everybody's looking everybody's going to be yeah. like, what the hell is it going to be like and all that um but you, you know, I'd never spoken to anybody really who'd, who'd experienced that. Yeah. But, but I think, I mean, one of the things as well that we talk about in relation to how a lot of men are socialised is is very, very different to how a lot of women might experience support from their friends who yeah. often will connect and talk about you know, how you're feeling and that sounds terrible and tell me more about it. But for a lot of blokes, just don't do, don't do that. It's just like, it's, you're right, mate. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's fine. Or it'll be right. You know, yeah. it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and there's a hesitancy I, as well. Like, right. You need to cheer it up. I mean, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's that, isn't it? It's not, um, it's not even that I'm scared to talk about it. It's that you don't need that. You need to cheer it up. Yeah. And it's not that it's absolutely not that people don't care. Yeah. It's just that oh. we don't really know a lot of the time. And then what is it that they might need or yeah. what's going to make anybody feel a little bit awkward or, yeah. um, so I think, but, so I think crucially what we need to try and do is not necessarily try and replicate what we think others might do in yeah. other groups, but find a way Like we, a lot of the evidence says that men often connect well shoulder to shoulder rather than face to face when you're doing other things yeah when you rather than sat around looking at each other eye to eye yeah. you know in the eye although you said you had group cbt i'm i don't i've never it experienced wasn't a circle that, it was a class oh was it? so right. you, you you taught the and you you, you got a booklet and yeah. you taught it yeah. yeah i think back then i would have really struggled to sit and yeah. look at people yeah and, yeah um so we kind of need to to find those things that 
that work best for um, allowing men to be able to say, uh, open up or uh, yeah. um, or say, yeah, I need I need some help here. Yeah, it interests me because. When I now I realise that I've got an anxious part, like you said, that there's a potentially a part of you that will always be there, and it's. I think I realised with me that I've probably always been this way to some extent, but my coping mechanisms were were functioning fine, mm. and I'd never really thought too much about it. Mm. So I didn't know how to vocalise it at first because it was like, what the hell is happening to me? And like, this is not me. I, I don't. Mm. And and then thinking, right, I need to just it'll go I just need to get on and it'll go and it'll go and then you kind of it, it, it's not that I wasn't able to talk because as soon as I realized as soon as I hit that point of panic attack and, and hang on I, I, I'm not seeing my friends something's up then it came flooding out I remember um ringing the IAPT and then the, they ring you back and uh, and I was like what am I going to say what am I going to say what am I going to say but as soon as I started talking all of it out onto a complete stranger on the phone. She was probably used to it because yeah. I'm guessing a lot of people will be that way. Yeah. You've got it in you. It's just you don't always realise that it's there in the first place. You just think, oh, something's up. Yeah, and I think, for me, I think we'll look back in 10, 15, 20 years about mental health and well-being and think, crikey, we got it really wrong in how we looked at it. Yeah. Because I think we still seek, and this is my, this is a personal view, I think, as much as a professional one. But we still look, we still look at it in the similar way as we do, like I said earlier, about that's wrong with your kidney or that's wrong with your heart. When really, it's part of being human. Yeah. In terms of having periods where you don't feel great, where yeah. you, we are, we, different people experience it at different levels of severity. Yeah. But part of being part of being human is part is being. Is being anxious, is being low in mood, it's feeling angry, it's feel you know, all of those things. And at different points in our lives, we might need more support for those things than we do at others. It, that's I think yeah. that's how I how I've come to view it. Um Well, it certainly feels a little more like you you're less fighting against it then, aren't you? It's it's like you find a way to accept if, if it's a natural yeah. and I guess it is natural that fight or flight is natural isn't it it's just we're, we're not worried about the same things that we would have been when these um, emotions were kind of evolving now we've got like notifications going off yeah, and, yeah. and other people's opinions to worry about you yeah. know rather than a bear nicking your food or yeah. whatever yeah no exactly exactly right um, you asked me before this about anything that I might have read or seen that's had a an impact on how I feel, how what I think and feel about mental health, and I said there's nothing massively profound. But there was a documentary that I watched on Netflix, and I wish I could remember what the name of it uh, was. It's a series, anyway. This one's about the tennis player Marty Fish. I don't know whether you've seen it. No. So he was a big. He played at the same time as Andy Roddick, yeah. um, and um, he was, I think, he was he was the US number one tennis player like in the nineties, and then all of a sudden developed this anxiety problem crippling anxiety problem um and it just it basically his his life took a completely different path um and he uh he he ended up getting help and 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 he he talks about in the documentary um saying to his doctor like when when's this going to be 
fixed like when's it going to be yeah. over and he said it, 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 it isn't this is that's not how it works yeah you 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 will you know learn to live and manage with um those feelings that yeah. um and um it, it, honestly if i think if it's it's a brilliant i love a sports documentary anyway but um, link it in the description. yeah link it in the description because it it, it was um it was really moving for me to hear yeah. his story. Yeah, and um, I guess it's high stakes and it's high pressure at that sort of level. The amount of stress they must be under. Well, he was um, having panic attacks. That, that's how he started. He started having yeah. panic attacks. And um, I won't ruin it for anybody who wants to watch it. it but it's it, like that night. It, it, it was it was Naomi going... Osaka. It was one of the tennis yeah, yeah. players who she faced so much stick yeah. for saying, I actually can't do this right now. I need to, to step back. And she was, well, you're under contract and yeah. expectations of like... You should be. You think we've done? I thought we were. I thought we were much further along yeah. than that. Than the sort of stick that people get, um, yeah. publicly around not being able to cope. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. No, I'll, I'll link that. Thank you, mate. Um, and yeah, I think. And I'm gonna keep turning it back to me. But again, you can only speak from your own experience, can't you? But um, I think when I look back at what at the. The worries that I used to have about other people's ex- expectations and and, and the seek the validation seeking and that reassurance, that's anxious behaviour. It's just that it's also kind of normal human behaviour, isn't it? To want to be part of the crowd and want to be part yeah. of the pack. And I, yeah. I guess it's it's recognizing when what you're doing is not serving you. It's not. It's not. You know, you're doing it to try and fulfil some kind of inner lack. Um, and and I just didn't see that until it slapped me in the face. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think the the more you see and hear other people saying, "Oh yeah, I've experienced, you know, I've yeah. had those challenges," or you know, "That's this is my story." Yeah. Um, as men, particularly, the the more the easier, hopefully, it'll be get, and, yeah. and, and fewer people will have to wait for it to to absolutely smack them in yeah. the face, or bring them to the knees, or like we mentioned, God forbid, you know. Yeah. high rates of, of suicide yeah um so it needs to be part of the conversation yeah. absolutely needs to be part of the conversation um have you noticed any is there any trends is there any is there any improvement in men presenting for these sorts of therapies are we seeing i know we're not seeing drastic improvements in suicide rates yeah. but is there any kind of hope in the yeah um not massively i don't think at the moment um we still like you've mentioned earlier um the referral rates for the um nhs psychological talking therapies service iaps um still men are massively underrepresented there right um so we so we do still see um under that, what we think is under diagnosis of mental health conditions in men, because if you look at the stats, you know, more far more women get get depression yeah. and anxiety than men, but we think that that right. that is probably uh, an, an under recognition of the some of the challenges that men are experiencing. And that's yeah. obviously not to say that this is more of a problem for men than no. women. It's about finding ways to support everybody to be able to access yeah. services and help. Yeah. Um, but in terms, so so in terms of uh, you know patterns of consultation, I think um, uh, things are things are, sl- are slowly changing and, and and improving. But in terms of um, it being in the public domain, as talking talking about it, yeah. recognizing that you know a 
this is a problem that, that needs to be tackled and b men might be experiencing particular challenges and might need different different ways of of, of finding support yeah. has changed unbelievably in the time that i've worked in in oh, that's in really good men's health it's it's it gives me a lot of optimism um and you know when when i uh talk about issues like this when i do lectures and and uh, presentations a lot of people do say to me, oh, things are really changing in terms of like younger men's views on masculinity and, and gender. Um, and I agree, they definitely, I mean, think conversation about gender generally in the public domains like hugely changed. But there's still some very deeply ingrained um, processes of socialising. I see it with my own son, you know, and yeah. eight, eight years old. And um, as I, you know, he's, he's, he's been socialised to a process of, what it means to to be a boy yeah but. i saw a youtube video of uh, a lot of kids um and they were asked to draw a pilot and a mm. surgeon and a police officer and, and they all there were five mm. and they were all drawing men in that um and and then when actually women came in in their outfits all these kids were like were like initially like laughing this afternoon we're going to draw people doing different jobs and the first job we're going to draw is a firefighter. Have a think in your head what a firefighter looks like. What's your firefighter called? Mine's called Firefighter Gary. Firefighter Stan. Firefighter Simon. He's big and strong. He's got a big helmet on. That's brilliant, isn't it? Next, we're going to draw a surgeon. Have you thought of a name for your surgeon? Jim Bob. Jim Bob. He's a brain surgeon. I think he would wear a he gave you medicine. That's his ambulance. Okay, next, we're going to draw a fighter pilot. Yes. This is his jet plane. He rescues people. He likes to do stunts in the air and stuff. Okay, now, who would like to meet these people for real? My name's Tamsin and I'm a surgeon in the NHS. My name's Lauren and I'm a pilot in the Royal Air Force. My name's Lucy, I'm a firefighter in the London Fire Brigade. So who wants to know how to do an operation? <gasps> Who's putting them on? I'm trying my stethoscope. Can we put this in here? There you go. How how are we doing that at five? Well, how you know? Just, I guess the stories we read, well, the toys we you know. I'll, I'll raise you that with my own son telling me that I can't be a nurse because I'm not a woman. <laughs> um, it, 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 about a year ago, and his friends as well. Oh, I say, well, I, I literally be doing now. I literally am. You've grown. You've <laughs> never life. Yeah, um, but you know those um, um, gender stereotypes about yeah. what what you can and can't do in yeah. different professions. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, still really, really strong. Yeah. So, so yeah, we. The I think the only the only way to make long term sustainable change in some of these things is the way that we that we raise our kids and the way yeah. that institutions, at schools and the media and things that yeah. the messages that they receive through, yeah, through those channels as as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just at the start of that process, and and you know already can feel are asking the question why my daughter saying why i'm like oh that's a different question you know that's suddenly now i'm giving the reasoning out and i suppose it's yeah it does feel like quite a responsibility to make sure that we're we're imparting 
not just this is what to do, but this is why and 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 how do you feel and giving them some agency in that decision. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think we've got we've become very much much more familiar and comfortable with the messages that we need to give young girls. Like I've I've got a daughter as well. Uh she's just turned to a teenager. And um, you know, all through her life I've been very conscious about um giving her the message and my wife as well that Nothing should stop you in your life choices because yeah. you're a girl. Yeah. You you can you can do what you what you want, and yeah. just because you're a girl, shouldn't stop you. So you know if you want to play football, as a lot of girls do now, and I coach their team for my sins. But um, uh, you know if what if you've got a particular job that you want to do, what clothes you want to wear, you can do what you want. We haven't really got the same for boys. I don't think now the part of the challenge is the reason why I think is. Um, that we don't necessarily need to with boys because by virtue of being yeah a young uh you know a white male yeah you, you the, the privilege you, you are you're gonna, gonna get. get yeah but i think what we should be saying to boys is about the messages around um what it what what it means to be a man and what that means in relation to uh gender equality as well yeah. uh and how the me- the messages that you're receiving what does what does that mean and what choices do you have in terms of how you might be yeah. what impact might it have on you but how how might it impact on on others which is yeah. a diff- is very very difficult and incendiary at the moment as well yeah with- there's a, a lot of movements yeah. and and political it's very divisive isn't it so you can it feels hard to find a nuanced perspective on anything because you kind of have to take a an approach um, totally i mean it, it's it's not my area of professional expertise no. that that um that level of gender scholarship if you yeah. want to call it that but it's something i think that we all need to be aware of and like um you know whether you agree or you disagree with different yeah. perspectives yeah we need to be able to have the discussion don't yeah. we otherwise um you know we just yeah. sweeping it under the carpet or leaving it to YouTube to raise our kids. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. which I, I had a um, doctor who's into like uh, AI and ethics yeah. and stuff a couple of weeks ago. And even that, you know, has its own algorithm and who's writing that algorithm and yeah. who's showing you the next thing that you're going to see once you've clicked on that video. And you might, you might go down one rabbit hole and suddenly your whole, the way that you yeah. identify with a certain topic changes, you know, so mm-hmm. God, yeah. it's a complicated time to be alive, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it is so, but yeah, much more complicated than, uh, than when we were kids. There's no doubt about that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I spent a lot of time out and I, when I imagine now just like Luna, when she gets to sort of like, seven or eight just disappearing off on a bike for hours on end after tea like I just, that was only 25 30 years ago but uh, i just can't imagine it I just can't no i, I don't <laughs> i think the thing is this don't really know what the rules of parenting are generally anyway but for certainly things like that is yeah. kind of the, what the normal expectations are compared to what our yeah uh and you know i think that's a good that is one of the positive th- for things about this whole uh, issue around trying to uh, promote positive change in men yeah is that things do change like what you're and I, what what society expects of us as dads yeah. compared to what it expected of our fathers yeah. it's massively changed 
to the be- to to the great benefit I think of families and and our children, and that's just one area yeah. of what it means to be a man. Yeah. Um, so I think we can we can be positive about making positive changes in other areas as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, awareness. You talked a little bit about be, being aware, and a lot of the the CBT and the behavioural activation. It's it's looking forward. It's setting goals, and it's not looking backwards towards the causes. Um, and I, I wonder whether or not there is a scientific way of, of if that will ever be the realm of science, mm. or if if that awareness is always a positive mm. thing. You know, sometimes they say ignorance is bliss, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, how much of, of people's recovery or, or experience is, is around the awareness they have of, of, of what the, they're going through, yeah. Of the causes. You yeah, mean, of the causes of why, you know. F- f- for me, I imagine it's probably so long ago that I don't remember it, you know. Yeah, and I, I can't sp- I can speak to some of the evidence around this, but not uh, as a, not a therapist myself. I, yeah. I can't give a, a great informed view, but... I mean, there is a bit of research evidence that shows that the antecedents to to depression and anxiety, the causes of of it in men, um, uh, can be very different to what they are for women. So, right. divorce, um, occupational changes, financial challenges, yeah, um, for men. But I think uh, there's been a bit of a bit of discussion around how we frame and understand things like depression from a men's perspective and what the benefits are otherwise are of viewing it um, as a chem- is it a chemical imbalance in your brain is it a life change something that's happened that's caused you to to feel you know i was talking about in the context of a life event for that for me but um yeah. uh, that might not necessarily be the case for all of the the experiences that that i've had yeah. Uh, and so I think it, it, again, could we because we because we look at it in the same way as we are doing a physical, and it's like what has caused this, and then what do we, changes do I need to make in order to fix yeah. it? Rather than thinking, well, there might not be a, something that yeah. necessarily has happened to me. It, it, I think it can be helpful to be able to understand it, to think, well, that's obviously been a big change in my life. That's changed the way that I feel. And therefore, that I understand why yeah. I'm experiencing it. Um, but for others, you know, we used to have that back in my early clinical days when I was talking with young, younger, fit people. Why have I had a heart attack? I haven't smoked, and I, I've eaten well. I exercise, and my explanation is, it's just one of them things. Yeah. Sometimes genetics or whatever yeah it happens it's not your fault there's nothing you could have done here you know really i think again i might be stereotyping here but i think blokes do the what there's an answer a fix yeah a solution and so i can imagine but i think we can work with that usefully for men though as well because if framing it as being actually there is a chemical imbalance in your brain or there is x y and z then whatever you know let's let's kind of work with with whatever it is that that kind of how we want to understand it, and yeah. then what the what the actions that we need to take in order to to help, which I think was the the, the beauty of the behavioural activation approach in BAM yeah. is, is that you don't really need to understand any of no, that really. Absolutely Just not. Set goals. Set goals and be accountable for them. Yeah, and then and then write down. I think that was another powerful bit. It yeah. engages all your senses, yeah. doesn't it? You've yeah. written it. It's a contract yeah. with you. Um, yeah, that's amazing, mate. Thank you. 
Um, so um, I was going to mention as well when we when we met, we met um, with the University of York's Mental Health Society, yeah. which I think is that quite a new organisation. Yeah, yeah. Lenore, think... Was has Lenore set that up? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's the society. Just, yeah, it's yeah. one of the student societies. I don't yeah. know how long it's been going. It's relatively new, I think, but she's doing a great job. Isn't she just? Yeah, and, and the engagement we got from the students was incredible and i just wonder how do you see his mental health a big deal on on campus at the moment yeah, as students struggling at the moment yeah the, um, i mean it's been been quite widely reported in the media over the years that the the um the number of students who are experiencing mental health problems has, has gone up significantly yeah uh, and our on-campus provision for mental health support we've, at, at the University of York, we've got a provision called Open Door, right. um, which offers a range of different services for, yeah. for students who are experiencing mental health problems. Um, uh, uh, that, has, uh, over the time that I've been working in universities, has, has increased massively. So, um, And obviously, we're just starting to see the, the impact on younger people generally as well as uh, the student population, particularly for of COVID and what the yeah. impact of that uh, was, uh, but, but the universities responding to that and the students themselves are taking some agency in that as well. Yeah, both. I think. I mean, you walk into my my department now in the morning, and notice boarders are walking into lobbies, living, you know, experiencing depression at university. It's out there, you know. Yeah. We're talking. We're talking yeah. about it. We want. Yeah. Uh, people to be able to recognize it and, and be able to seek help and support because yeah. um, it's a it's a different very very difficult time isn't it it's, yeah. uh, as well for for a lot of people financially but, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know moving away from home just like a big yeah. big 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 life change at, at, at that time in your life so um so yeah i mean our, our experience of, of of doing that that evening event where people were, were, you know, we're talking really, really openly, weren't yeah. we, about a lot of the issues that we've covered in the podcast today. Um, just amazing to to yeah. be able to do that. Um, I loved it. Uh, and yeah. once upon a time, it felt like having a physical um, panel like that yeah. wouldn't happen. You know, it was just, it felt like such a long way away. So I felt really privileged yeah. that, you know, anyone wants to listen to our And they had Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah, oh God, uh, no, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, I will link to to that in the um, in the, in the comments underneath so that people can see what they're up to. Um, but they they seem like a really good organisation and um, and yeah. Um, so what what do you do there? I know you mentioned you play football. Is there other things that you do? You have a practice, a routine. How do you keep well under stress these days? Um, a range of different things. I think uh, one of the, I tell you one of the things that's really really helped me in terms of my overall well-being is cycling to work like I'm so fortunate that I get to cycle to work but I do it 12 months a year rain or shine (laughs) yeah yeah, I get on my bike and I cycle to work it's only about five miles Um, but just the opportunity to start and end your working day had a huge impact on my overall feelings of well-being Uh, so 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 that's a that's a big big thing for me um football like i said i think that's that's the 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 thing that i fear losing most you know one of the things that we talk about when we train in the coaches in bam is think about the one thing that you that you have in your life that really kind of helps you um how would you feel if that was taken away and then what could you do if it if it was and for me if i was thinking about that it'd be it'd be playing playing football um 
which I've done all my life. Um, but being being outside, connecting with nature, seeing friends, maintaining a routine is massively important for right, me as yeah. well. Which is, I think, I've alluded to when when lockdown happened hit. Um, I was I wasn't one of them people who was living my best life. I was yeah. like, this is pretty much the worst. Oh yeah, but suddenly all that routine out the window. Oh, it was just stuck in. Brutal. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. Is that like cycling and football are your connections to feeling good? Yeah. And they're both off the yeah. off the radar overnight. That must have been really tough. Yeah, massively. Um, so. So yeah, and it, you know it was at that particular time where I was think I was you know exploring this this idea of behavioural activation and different behaviours and how they how they might connect to you, how you feel and um, you, the impact it has on your overall emotional state. Um, my mood as well is massively impacted by um, the weather. Right, like yeah. coming into spring now, like I've seen like flowers blooming and the, the air, like, out. Oh, it's amazing! <laughs> Love yeah. it. Uh, I, it lifts me hugely, right, yeah. hugely. Um, I don't know. I kind of self-diagnose myself with seasonal affective disorder. But do you know what I got? I'll tell you one thing that really has made it. Uh, my mate gave me a, um, uh, a, a alarm clock with a natural light in it. So it, it wakes you up by gradually turning on the light. So in the dark months, what an absolute game well, so changer. It actually does actually work, Oh, it's it? amazing. <laughs> it, honestly. It, so it really... represents sunlight or something, doesn't it? It's like yeah. UV or something. Yeah. It's different to your lamp. Yeah, totally. It, oh, no yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I absolutely love it. That's cool because so, it's kind of hacking your brain a little bit there, isn't it? Yeah. You're still waking up the same person at the same time of year. It's still physically dark outside, but yeah. just the lamp that gets you up. Yeah. That's ace. Yeah. And honestly, I've had it so many times where you, the people will think that I'm being paid for it, for <laughs> it but I'm not. Uh, the, um, I've like woken up and then I've opened the blind in my bedroom expecting it to be light when right. it's pitch black. I'm like, because my body has thought... That's, I'm up in its the, daytime. Yeah, it's the sunlight that's that's woken me up. So that's anybody, cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend giving that a go. The, uh, there's quite a lot of blokes in the uh, mindfulness WhatsApp that have said this time of year really gets to them. And yeah. I think seasonal affective disorder is probably more prevalent than people, re- certainly more than I realised. Yeah. Again, it's maybe one of them that people don't report because how, do how would you report that? It's not necessarily taking over your life. No. It's day-to-day affecting your mood, isn't it? But again, I think the sort of the behavioural observation thing is like, well, what things do I do that in that make me feel good um, in spring and summer that I lose in autumn and winter? How can I reinstate those? What right. other things can I do? Yeah. Um, and you can still be... So what I've tried and do when, when I still get outside, and that's the biking really helps there because I'm like, I'm out no matter yeah. what. Um, so that that does help, but but I still suffer um, m- more in the uh, winter time. Try to be less grumpy about it. Than yeah, that, but, yeah. Uh, no, thank you, man. Yeah. Um, and we talked a bit about um, content. Yeah, I asked you for a couple of book recommendations. Yeah. We usually ask people of yeah. um, content and music that means something to yeah. you. Um, are you happy to talk me through the confidence gap? What's that? Yeah, the confidence gap. It, it, it that's it's kind of like a a, a CBT type approach, um, um, acceptance commitment therapy. It's called, which is, I think some people, more professionals, would say it's a third wave CBT. But it's basically it's a lot about understanding how your patterns of thinking can lead you to feeling in particular ways. But crucially, I really liked it because it it gives 
easy practical tips on and it's about that sort of mental wellness approach like what do I need to do in terms of to better understand myself to better understand how my brain works right um, and a lot of it is based on mindfulness principles. And I've, honestly, I've flipped in and out of mindfulness um, for so many years. Um, that having periods where you know I've done medit- tried to do meditation and tried to be t- to do mindful practice, and then others when I, when I'm not doing it so much. Um, but I really like it as part of this. My I guess my own personal journey to understand myself and my yeah. brain and why do, why I, I think in particular ways yeah. which I think is one of the big things about um the way we view mental health in the, in a different way to physical health is that we we take for granted that we need to do things to better understand and develop our physical bodies but we don't necessarily talk about ways that we need to yeah uh, to understand work out our for your brain sometimes yeah and I think that's what th- that's what I think about what I'd recommend like at some point in in their lives, anybody to go to therapy because it really helps you better understand yeah. yourself, yeah. Um, and uh, and the way that you think. It's a really useful exercise. So, but but yeah, the confidence gap. I think it's not just a. It's not focused on uh, mental illness. Yeah, it's about uh, progress. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so, and it's accessible as well. It's an easy read. It's That's read. perfect. That's great. I'll link that. Um, and then The Compassionate Mind. By, that was Russ Harris, by the way. And then The Compassionate Mind by Paul Gilbert. Yeah, that one was recommended to me. And that's that's a relatively recent one that's been around for a while. But um, it, it's based on a, a compassion-based approach around, again, that internal self-talk yeah. that we all have. And the how, critic. yeah, the inner critic, and and how we can change that, and uh, and and develop better ways of speaking and being kinder to ourselves. What I like about it as well is that uh, it kind of it helps you realise that the, the the way sometimes that we treat ourselves, we wouldn't dream of treating anybody else. Yeah. You know, in terms of the, if you're having a, a, a crappy day or yeah. a difficult time, you won't you won't talk Tell to someone that are worthless. Yeah. No, but I, I also think as well in that book they talk, he talks a lot about a, a Western way of thinking about the mind versus uh, the an, a more Eastern philosophy, and I think if we lived in a different culture in an East Eastern uh, culture, we might have been brought up to think differently about how we need to view our mental well being, whereas in in what Paul Gilbert talks about is is we very very functionally you've got a an issue let's fix it and then off you go rather than a why right. why you know what we have part of our brains where we react in the same way that we did do when we're living in a cave and a tiger's yeah. going to come attack you but also have developed this higher level of self awareness where we can actually think about our own thinking yeah. that no other animal does. Yeah. And then that leads us into all sorts of problems. Yeah, it's almost it, no wonder that we're we're struggling like we are. Yeah. Um, so this this is sort of saying, uh, yeah. So what you're saying is kind of culture has led us to not be all that curious and kind to our own thinking. Instead, just looking at solutions. Everything's a hurdle to jump. Everything's a problem to be fixed, rather than kind inner speak. Mm, yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, so and and again, some good practical tips and nice exercises in there it's one of them that you can pick up and pick uh, and put down so yeah. 
Yeah, it's a... Someone so someone told me um, what you feed will grow, and so like if you're feeding that negative self-talk, mm. there's no wonder it's growing. There's no wonder that's you know, um, what is it? Something called the reticular activating system. Some part of us that filters out. You know, when yeah. someone says when you want a new car and you start looking at models, and suddenly you see the same one everywhere yeah. on yeah, the street. Yeah. Yeah. If you're brain is constantly looking for reasons why you're shit and you need to try harder and everything's going wrong for you there's no wonder that you're going to see more of those opportunities is it really make it does make sense yeah it we compl- don't spend much time working on it do we? no it completely makes sense so yeah it's a it's a good way i enjoyed both of those um plus like i was saying the the uh the mardy fish documentary that i can't remember the name i think you're going to link in the yeah. comments section. yeah no will do thank you man um and then finally for for our um, playlist we've got a happy mm. playlist and a sad playlist um and you've sent us a couple of tunes are you happy to talk us through them i am yeah so i am uh, so the question about what, what was my go-to song now i don't have necessarily a go-to song for when i'm feeling happy or sad although i'm a big radiohead fan so like i like if i'm feeling melancholy i might go for a radiohead yeah. but um the two songs that i've chosen are just recent ones that i'm really enjoying um and The happy song is um, Woman by Lady Blackbird, which if you haven't heard it, honestly, (laughs) it just blew me away. And I love blues and soul and that just just an incredible song that I'm really, really enjoying. How much money's been out on a woman ever since the day? It is well. It's, it is like um, old school sort of R and B bluesy. Uh, yeah. yeah, it could have been around uh, thirty years yeah. ago, couldn't it? Um, so yeah, it's an absolute. Um, what was what did my daughter say? It's an absolute bop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, love it. Uh, and then this, and then the sad song. Yeah, is another recent one from a band that I'd never heard of that are bringing out. I think the first uh, studio album, anyway. Um, the Latham's struggle, which uh, is again this one. I think could have been a '90s track that I listened to when I was at yeah. university. Almost, it's got a little bit of Stone Rose. It's got a little bit of Charlatans flavour to it. I think um, a bit of Brit poppy type feel. I think they're from Wigan. Um, uh, but I just I lo- that again this tune, and then I've started listening to a few of the other tracks. I just loved straight away. Oh, I struggle Remembering your face I wake up Without a smile on my face I notice the world's turning But I'm stood still And the voices Inside of my head Oh, they tell me 
struggles about the loss uh, and bereavement and obviously it, co it connects with me in terms of my own experience as well which I think it's beautiful and the beautiful video as well um, so yeah it's a good one yeah no thank you so much mm. and thank you for sharing your experience with me I know I'm, I'm almost a stranger um, and and you know it, it means a lot to, to get your expertise but also to, to kind of get to know you a little bit as well so thank you so much man i really appreciate it was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we've kind of skipped over or no i don't think so i don't even know how long we've been talking so that just shows you, you it's been a beauty conversation for me um hour and 45 oh <laughs> i know so yeah. well done to anybody who's got this far listening <laughs> to it. but um no it's been a pleasure and a privilege sam and i just I to emphasize what what you guys are doing at mentalness i just think is absolutely awesome keep doing it you're up like from my academic perspective, basically ticking every single box that needs to be ticked in terms of what needs to be done to, in terms of men's health. So oh, that's man. off to you guys. Thank you, man. And yeah. it's, it does feel like, you know, you'll have people going, right, what what, what am I going to put on my list for behavioral activation? Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to provide some of the, that, those things for some of these people. So hopefully yeah. we'll work together again at some point. Fingers crossed. Um, and yeah, our doors always open. If you've ever got anything you want to come on and talk about and we've got men that you want to you want to talk to and share a message with then um please do cool um and just yeah thank you for your contribution to to men's mental health and, and to the wider picture mate so cheers. very much appreciate you cheers thanks man thanks bye for now see you wow so paul smashed it didn't he what did you think get in touch and let us know have you clicked subscribe or follow yet it's just a little click you don't want to miss out on anything. Thanks again for joining us for the Menfulness Podcast. Until next time, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs>